Hello, my name is Océane. I come from Martinia and you are listening to Radio Carom. <laughs> all right, you're listening to Rowan Prout Method where we talk all things fitness, mindset, well-being, performance and lifestyle design so that you can live a high-performance life. On today's episode, we have Bo Drury, who is an impact leader and breathwork facilitator from Believe in Your Breath. Welcome to the show, Bo. Thanks, brother. It's an opportunity to be here and an honour. So yeah. thank you. Man, pleasure to have you in my network. Uh, let's get into your story. It's a great story. Keen to hear more about it. We were discussing in the car, but for our listeners, give us the rundown. Yeah, bro. So I was diagnosed with ADHD at two and I was a fucking wild kid, man. Um <laughs> no control at all, my behaviour, my emotions, typical class clown. And yeah, hung around some pretty shitty people at times and stuff like that, as we all do. But um, there was definitely a few roads that I could have gone down, you know. Um, but I had, I had good foundation. I had good parents um, and, you know, I always come back to that, to that foundation, which is what I always say with kids, you know, you got to let them go and you got to let them learn their fucking – their experiences and lessons and bring them back. You just, you just, they just need love and support constantly, um, you know. And basically, yeah, I, I dropped out of school and started working. Work was the best thing for me. School wasn't for me at all. And I realised that quite young, but as, you know, as when you're in school, everyone's like, stay in school and, you know, school's such a great thing and blah, blah, blah. So I was just like, nah, school's not for me. And then Parents lost control and I was, I was medicated from the age two, which sort of zombified me, you know, and um, I hated it. And I said to my mum at one point of an age, probably in high school, and I said, mum, how am I ever supposed to control my own behaviour when I'm relying on medication to do it for me, you know, and I hated the way it made me feel. I used to spit it out and everyone around me knew when I wasn't on my meds because was, I was a vastly different kid, you know, um, but I felt more free and I was more creative and more outgoing and but in a in a in an environment like school, obviously not good for the school schoolroom, you know. And teachers used to always say, Love you as a person, hate having you in my in my classroom. <laughs> the best people. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I, I, I got out of got out of school and started working and yeah, loved work and uh, did a lot of landscaping, brick paving, sort of hard work. Hated using my brain, just just loved working hard, and um, got into got into a bit of a relationship at a at a young age, probably around eighteen. Met this girl, and um, yeah, sort of first real relationship, and um, quite toxic from the get go. But I wasn't really aware of that, and then um, went quite deep into that relationship. Two years in, still still really really toxic. A lot of lot of shit happening, and. Um, yeah, I, we ended up. Um, I won't go too deep into that, but we ended up we ended up doing about ten years of that on and off, real bad toxicity, and just um, yeah, left that relationship. To be honest, bro, really hating the world, really hating women, not trusting anyone, and um, you know, really angry and negative, and uh, you know, then I I met my partner now, Kirsty, who we have all the business. Um, we got Believe in Your Breath together and Believe the Label, which which we all have done together and served some part in it. But um, yeah, and um, I was still triggered by a lot of shit, a lot of shit. And she's a good woman and I was like, she she doesn't deserve this. And, and, and something in me went, because I was used to all this fire and toxicity and anger and she was so like calm. And if I was triggered, she'd go, hey, that's not directed at me. 
but I am going to allow you time to like, you know, work on yourself and, 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 and do what you need to do to realize because I actually won't put up with that. And it was kind of a light bulb moment. Like I was like, wow. And I was like, okay, I got some work to do. So my mates were doing breath work and I was like, fuck this. I want to I want to do breath work and I want to let go of hate to my ex and hate to women and being triggered and being jealous and insecure and all these sorts of things. And, um, you know, you know, people question me, like, why did you stay in a toxic relationship for t- 10 years, you know? And you look at me, you know, I'm, 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 I've got tats, I'm quite confident when I speak, I'm, I'm open, I'm loud, great looking, funny, all, all the above, right? But, but oh, Yeah, fuck yeah. But, but, but inside, bro, I, I was actually very insecure. I was controlling, I was jealous, I was narcissistic, I was – because that scared little boy inside didn't, didn't want to be alone. And I didn't think anyone, like anyone else would love me. So I held on to that for so long and I didn't know anything else. And, you know, towards the end, my ex would tell me things like, you know, it's, this relationship's toxic. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, like, I, was like, I was like unaware of the shit that was going on. Mm-hmm. So my mates are doing breath work and I thought, okay, cool. Sounds cool. I'll jump into this space. Jumped into this space, man, halfway through the day, doing all these breathing techniques, writing down on this journal how I'm feeling. St- still in there for this reason to, to forgive the outside, you know, my ex and all these people that have hurt me and women in the past and blah, 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 and all the shit that never went right for me. And I had this light bulb moment. And I grabbed my pen and, I, and I'm sitting there and I took a deep breath and I wrote down on this piece of paper, I forgive you, I forgive myself for not knowing your worth, not loving you enough to to know that what you should and shouldn't put up with. And you, in that moment of that forgiveness and letting go of blaming all this exterior, I actually forgave me. And then seconds after, I took on this like a huge amount of accountability and responsibility. And I was like, well, everything's on me. I chose to stay in that relationship. I chose to surround myself by these sorts of women, you know, like I'm out drinking and hanging out with girls that are very damaged and not ready to settle down and young and, you know, and, and then and then you you complain and, and burst and go off about the world because things aren't going your way. But then I was like, I'm in control of all this. And, and, and by blaming everybody else in the world around me, I'm giving them my power and giving away my power. So... In that moment, I was like, fuck. Like it was like I walked out of there like for one, fully letting go of my last relationship like instantly. It was crazy. And I was like and, – and then just realizing how much control I have in my life and that if I don't fill my own cup up and, and, and expect everyone else to do it, then I'm going to be a very unhappy man. And um, there, was a, there, was a, there was a light bulb moment with Kirsty, my, my fiancé, where um, – we had a fight and this was me leading up to breath work and she goes, you know, if you um, – we had a fight and I was like, but it's your job to make me happy. I'm your partner. She goes, no, it's not. And then I really like all – everything started, you know, I started feeling these emotions and these tr- – I was like, what? I was like, what? You don't care about me? But that's that little boy inside who, who's just looking for love and who's insecure and jealous and damaged and – and then – um. We hung up the phone and I sat there and I'm like, how dare she say that? Like, fuck, she's supposed to be there for me. Like, fuck her, blah, blah, blah. And then I, then the light bulb moment happened. I'm like, do you know what? She's right. If I relied on every single person on this planet to make me happy, 
I'd be a very unhappy person. So I rang her back and said, you know what, you're right. I'm in charge of my own happiness, no one else, not my partner, not my family, not my kids, not anybody. So for me, that was like, okay, I've got some serious work to do. So we um, started doing started doing my own breath work, you know, breath work in the mornings and um, break, breakthrough breath work journeys or soul journeys or conscious connected breath work or holotropic, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's basically a one hour breath work journey. In my videos, you probably see a lot of people like screaming, crying, purging, laughing, sometimes even a lot of sexual energy and people can orgasm through it when they're fully stimulated. It's fucking insane. Um but if you haven't heard much about this work, you'd look at it and go, that's fake. Or it looks like an exorcism. It's, it's quite intense. But um, yeah, I stepped in this work and I just, the, that day that I went in and I, and I, and I you know, did that breath work and, and just realised so much awareness around myself and how I'd been for the last few years and, and all these emotions and feelings that come up and through my body. I went home and I was like, Straight on Google. I was like, what the fuck is breathwork and what the fuck happened to me today? Like I need to know the science behind this shit. And um, as much as I respect the, the culture and the traditional side of this work and how long it's been around, you know, you got your Wim Hof breathing and you got your, your breathing. Like someone says, hey, you're angry, take a breath, slow down. Or when you're in a lot of pain, just breathe. Or, you know, women giving birth, just breathe. It, it, it's always been there in the modern society. But in this breakthrough breathwork experience that you have in this hour of this breathing technique where you can bring all this emotion and stuff forward, it, it's so not in the modern world. And it's so needed. And I, I went and read every single book I could think of. I went and did two breathwork courses, obsessed with this work. And what happened was I actually grew up uh, a lot around g- gangs, bikies, a lot of big dick energy, a lot of toxic masculinity, you know, beards, tats, muscles, all this stuff, right? And um, for a long time I was like, I was like, you know, I feel like, I wanted to be somebody like I never wanted to be deeply involved in that world, but I liked being around it. I felt like I was someone I had these friends, you know, like I know these people and these people are dangerous. And like, it was like a, a putting fear into people to try and look and feel good about yourself. Same thing, being insecure and being a scared little boy inside that I always talk about with these sorts of people. But, um, you know, I bit the bullet and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to start doing breath work. So I did, I did some, I started some training and uh, was reading books. And, you know, I got one of my friends and I was like, look, and I knew he'd be open to it. He wasn't like in the bike world, he was just like one of my normal mates, you know. And I was like, can I do a breath work session on you? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And he's like a real, like, sensitive, emotional guy. So I knew he'd be open to it. And, um, you know, I, I did this breath work session with him and I filmed it. And um, I, f- I, did, I did a couple more and because he was like, bro, you've changed my life. And um, just a just bit off, off story, but I was doing my own breath work and breathing daily on, on, on social media and everyone was like, what is this shit you're doing and blah, blah, blah. And some people were like, you've fucking lost your mind. And I'm like, man, research the benefits or like, you know, here's all these other people that do it. This is who, who I learned from. And people are like, well, if you're willing to teach it, I've been watching your journey. I've watched you change so fucking much. I, I want to learn what you've learned. And I'm like, here, go to these people. And they're like, nah, if you ever do it, let me know. So I'm like, all right. So I started doing it with this mate. And then these are two other people. And I filmed a couple videos. And I had like profound 
fucking like people were shaking, crying, screaming, swearing, like grabbing onto me and like fucking pulling up. Like it, it was like an exorcism, bro. And I, like I'll be honest, my first breath breathwork session, I was a little like, whoa, you know, this is this is intense. And um, I knew I needed to learn more about this stuff, so I went deeper and deeper and deeper into this. And um, you know. I did this breathwork course and a lot of the people in the class were like, we learned more from you than we did in the class because I'm so open every Zoom call and every time I went out to the Snowy Mountains to do a course as well with some amazing people and, you know, I, I just have – I didn't realise I had so much knowledge in this work. Like I didn't give myself enough gratification for that. Um, but, yeah, I did these sessions and I did these videos and I had these – these two particular videos um, of these two girls. That, like my first one was that mate and then I did these two girls after. And no shit, they had these profound experiences. And I'm over the top of them doing body work and, and talking them through it and, and, and just sort of freaking out as well because it was my first time sort of doing this shit. So I'm like, fuck. And like I'll talk to you later on but I've, I've had some experiences through this work where I'm like, is this person going to die? You know, and uh, am I going to be like, am I going to go to jail? Like, because it is such a profound, obviously now I've worked with thousands and thousands of people around the world. I, I, I've seen it all. And still now I get a few sessions where I'm like, holy fuck, that was, that was something else. But um, yeah, so I had these two videos and for, I had them for about a month and I was working on the mines and I've been on the mines for about five years. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to be home with my family and, uh, I, I was doing breath work on my weeks off and I wasn't charging much. It was, you know, like a hundred bucks a session or something. And I was just working with friends and stuff. So I had these two videos, of these two girls, and I had them for about, I reckon about a month. And I said to my partner, Kirsty, I'm, like, I'm going to put these on social media, but I was too scared to put them on Facebook or Insta because all my mates, all, all, all my boys, you know, they're going to be like, bro, what the fuck is this shit, man? What are you doing, bro? <laughs> You're on drugs, man. Like what the fuck? And, and people, and I, and I was still living in a lot of fear of judgment. And that scared little boy inside, he's like, you know, people aren't going to like me and, and, people, and I'm going to lose all my friends and blah, blah, blah. And I was still in this world of that. And um, one day I was away at work and I was on my lunch break and I was like, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upload these to TikTok. I, don't, I have an account, but I don't really post on there. I don't have any followers or anything like that. I'm just going to post it. I had a few actually. I had a few followers, but not that many. And I posted this video and I went to bed and I was like, like cooking about this I'm like you know If I get a lot of negativity And a lot of bad comments I'll just delete the video And you know blah 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 I woke up in the morning bro With 80,000 followers And my Instagram was just I, I couldn't even keep up With the messages Please help me Please help me What is this What do you do And I went back onto The video And um, that video now Is I think at 17 million views um, You know two, 2 million likes And and I have like 18,000 comments. And, I, and I, st I started to shift through the comments and, you know, there's so much negativity, man. Social media is really toxic. And um, it, it, it did affect me a little bit. And Kirsty, my partner, she's really good. She's like, you know, you can't, you can't, look how many people here are showing up. Look how many people saying you're doing amazing work. They love you. They want to come and see you. And you're concentrating on the, you know, this is fake. You know, there's a lot of religious people that aren't for this work. You know, only Jesus can save you. <laughs> All respect to religion, like whatever you believe in, that that's cool. But I'm I'm quite open, and I'm open to like if something works for you, do it. 
you yeah. know. Just because I'm doing breath work, it doesn't mean you have to. Um, and breath breath work may not be for everyone. My work may not be for everyone. That's cool. Um, every religion's not for everyone. That's cool too. We won't go down that track. But um, and on different people's beliefs. But the thing was, is uh, I was like, uh, I'm at a crossroad now because, like, you know, I can do something with this. And and I, and I rang. I was at work. And I rang Kirsty. I said, I'm quitting my job today. I'm coming home and I'm do breath work full time. And she just laughed at me. She goes, because she, she wasn't into breath work yet. And she goes, Bo, go back to work <laughs> and just, you have, you're having a moment. You're not quitting your job for a fucking hobby, okay? Breathing is, you don't make money out of breathing. It's not going to pay the bills. And, and, and I won't get too far in a Kirsty story, but she comes from, she's a very strong woman. She's always been highly driven in her career and we just had a baby. She quit her career offshore, um, you know, a lot of money, so which is a lot of fear to let a male take control because she's, she's always been on her own and um, raised her kids by herself as well. So for her, she trusted a male to go away and bring home the bread. And now this man has turned around and said, I'm going to quit my job to breathe. And, <laughs> and she's like, she, I was already doing FIFA when I met her, but I started this new job with her and it was really good money and, you know, everything was going smooth. And then she's like, nah. And um, I'd already been doing breath work like a few months, six months or whatever. So it took another six months. So it took me like 12 months to get Kirsty to jump into a breath work space with me. And she went through like a really hard time after – she might have been like pregnant during that convo, but she ended up having Harvey, a, a little one. He's two now. And she, she, had, she had Harvey and she, she had literally a mental breakdown. Like, you know, hormones all over the place, your weight changes, you had this career, you had this life and now everything's different. And, you know, and um, what she realised later was because her trauma response was just to keep busy. Her, 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 her career was – keeping her at bay from all this pain. And what we realised later on, not at this moment, but later on that her stopping and slowing down and being a mother, she thought that was triggering from the last two because that she, she experienced domestic violence and a lot of toxic relationships. But she therefore came into this, uh, you know, this, this line of like, you know, I'm, I'm not in a good place. And I said, just try breath work. She go, I said, I just try it. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never ask you again. So she had to let go that I was a partner and we stood into a room. She laid down on the floor. I'm like, just trust me. I want you to do these things. And I gave her a breathing technique. Within half an hour, man, she is wailing on the floor, letting go of guilt from being a mother, from working away from her kids, from shit with her mum, to family stuff, to stuff in the door. She, she will literally tell you this story that she felt, the pain she's holding on to so desperately and so tightly to drive her because Kirsty was the sort of woman, like if something went wrong in her life, she's going to level up. Mm. If I'm going through a breakup, I'm going to get hotter. I'm going to smash the gym. I'm going to get fucking both. I'm going to get my hair down. I'm going to get, I'm going to fucking her, her revenge is success. That's yeah. what she lived on. And um, if anyone in her family upset her, she'd be like, well, I'm, I'm just going to make more money and I'm going to do this. and I'm going to do that. So she was holding on to this pain in her hands and in her mind, and I was saying, it's, it, you can let that go. And in her mind, she goes, oh, I'm going to let this go. And she opened up her hands. She physically felt everything she was holding on to leave her feet in her hands. And this sounds crazy, but it's exactly what happens through these breathwork, breathwork sessions. And um, she sat up and she goes, you need to leave the minds right now. And um, I ended up, I ended up um, getting 
we won't go into vax stuff because it's just too vastly crazy on what people think but i got the first one and i got a bit crook from it so i didn't want to get the second one so i um i didn't want to get the first one anyway but i had to for work so i got sick and then i just said i'm staying home and then i just started booking in more breathwork sessions and so and then i started advertising it on social media and what happened was uh, i just started making more money than i was making anyway so I started an ABN and I did everything right and got a website and started a, a social media platforms around my business and did everything the correct way with Kirsty's help because she's brilliant with all that sort of stuff. And I said, I'm going to do a group session, nine people in my kitchen. <laughs> and Kirsty's like, what the fuck? Like, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. So uh, yeah, I put it on social media and I was like, whatever, 50 bucks a ticket, come along. We're going to do this breathwork session in a kitchen. Most of them were people we knew and a couple of like people who follow us on socials. Nine people laid down in my kitchen, did this breathwork. Man, I warned my neighbors about this shit, right? We had, we had people like rolling around on the floor, crying, screaming and like... Eh, Back then, my events were like four hours. I did a lot of light breathing techniques, dropping into the body, inner child meditation, you know, eye gazing with part people that you don't know and a lot of journaling, a lot of self-exploration and everything has a part in it. And up until now, I reckon every single event I've ever done in my life, I completely change. And every time I, I, I do an event, I'm like, this needs to be longer. This needs to be shorter. We need more of that, less of this. We actually need this exercise first because we need to drop them in here. And then like, you know, it's all strategic the way I do my work. Yeah. And every time I do work on myself as well, I'm like, ah, oh, people need more of this and less of that. And I, I feel this. So the more work I'm doing as well, it's constantly changing. So nine months, uh, sorry, Within six months, from nine people in my kitchen, I said the curse. We did a few Perth events, and um, you know they were in their forties, fifties, like amount like people. And I started hiring bigger and bigger venues and nicer venues, and then started charging more. And so we could, you know, put on food, and we did cacao, and all, all you know, we 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 made it better for the people, you know. And then we started doing longer events. And I came to Kirsty one day, and I said, "Hey, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna do an Australian tour." She was, that's crazy. It's stupid. Not like we don't know anyone over here. So I said, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to post it, you know. And then we're getting. I was my followers were going up too. Now, like I'm at like a half a million on TikTok and 140 thousand on Insta, and a lot of those people from around the world. And I was I started doing Zoom sessions, which are just as powerful. People don't think they are, but it is. And I I, I therefore I said I'm going to do this tour. She had no faith in it at all. I'm a risk taker. She's not. She envies it. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know how. I said, if one person shows up to my event, I'll fucking do the event. If one person walks through that door, I'll do the event. And um, first one was Adelaide, 44 people. Couldn't believe it. I was nervous as shit. I was like, I, hired, I, I rang mates in Adelaide and I was like, I need some venue. And they gave me like this boxing gym. It was like a UFC gym and we squeezed everyone in the corner. It was fucking rad. And I bring my own speaker and shit. Now, now obviously we have like way more better equipment and, and, and how, we, how we get it to places. But I, I carried this fucking speaker with me like on the plane, like this PA speaker. It was fucking, it's bananas. And we did this, this Adelaide event and it was fucking sick and it was awesome and yeah, I was like, wow. And then um, I ended up going to Melbourne was next, 98 people, 
fucking amazing. Met, I've met, I've connected with so many people since doing this work. It's been amazing. People like yourself and just people who own venues and other breath workers, and it's it's been cool. And now that it's Sydney, it was a hundred. And then Gold Coast, 153 people. Mm-hmm. And at 153 people in Gold Coast, I, I reached out to breath workers in every city to help hold down this space because I, I knew I was needing more people because it's such big energy. And, um, you know, after leaving the bikey world, I thought to myself, like, you know, I'm finally going to be in a world, a spiritual world, a loving world where, where you know, we're working with emotions and trauma and, and, and people and everyone's going to be understanding of me and accepting of me. No. <laughs> few breath workers were not happy with me, as you can imagine. I'd, um, I'd not finished the training that I'd done either, but I did allow my school to know everything. They said go and practice this work towards the end of it, so I was. And I, and I put it to them too. I was like, hey, um, I'm going to do Australian tour. They're like, okay, no worries. You know, and I'm like, I, I just felt ready for that. And I do jump too quickly and I, and I probably jump the gun and I probably do a lot of the times, but it has the pros and cons too, you know. And um, I jumped the gun and a lot of people started calling me out, you know. And then I, it was hard because I was like, well, I jumped the fence of this like big dick, bikey world with all these people. I was managing adult shops and strippers and all sorts of crazy shit and I jumped over to this world, um, you know, left mining, which is like, Big dick ego as well out there. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be accepted here. And I wasn't. So I had people calling me out in this world too saying, you know, who does this guy think he is and what? And they started calling out Kirsty and my family. It was fucking – there's some bad shit, man. Like they were saying some nasty shit. I won't get into it. Heaps of people. And some people with a lot of following and stuff, you know. And I'm, and a lot of these people I looked up to too, you know, and, and, and it hurt. And I was like – and it just made me go, do you know what? No matter where you go in life, this shit is everywhere. And Kirsty picked me up, put me back on my feet, and she sat me down and she goes, you are fucking amazing at what you do. And don't let these people fucking treat you like this and, and you're helping people and just keep doing what you do. And um, so, yeah, man, I, it was really good because as a breath worker, when I started on breath work, I felt like I had to be this guy. Don't drink alcohol. You know, um, be perfect, don't swear, blah, blah, blah. You're helping people with trauma. You're helping people with, like, this and that. And um, you got to be, like, this this, this this sort of person that people look up to, right? And in that moment, I said, fuck this. I'm going to be myself. I started swearing more. We started a program. I called it Unfuck Yourself. Uh, I started promoting. I'm like, I drink piss. I do breath work. I, I swear, I, my background is bikies, strippers, adult shops. I don't give a fuck. But guess what? Soon as I did that, I started attracting people I actually wanted to work with, and I started working with more modern day people who actually need this work. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of people that do breath work and 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 sound healing and energy work and mindfulness and and yoga and all that shit, I'm all for it. But it's very woo woo for some people. I'm attracting people like people come to my events. Who here has done breath work? Not one hand. Who here has done? Who here knows what a crystal is? Not one hand. Mm. I'm working with people, guys, tats, beards, fucking um, people who work in offices, corporate people, like doctors, lawyers. I'm working with psychologists from around the world now. Uh, you know, psychotherapists. It's it's amazing, and the people I'm attracting. So therefore, I went on my Instagram, went on my um, on my website, and I took off anxiety, depression. Um, PTSD and all the real dark words because I wanted to reword how, how I, how I am 
putting across this work. And I started calling myself an impact leader. I'm not a fucking healer. I don't heal people. People come to me and they heal themselves. I just give them the guidance, the knowledge and the tools and it's up to them to take that away and implement those into their life. And they realise how powerful they are. And then they thank me for showing them that they could fix their own life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... So that's you're a, a facilitator. You're helping guide them on their that's own That's exactly journey. right. But, um, you know, there's... And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, but there's a lot of breathwork coaches, business coaches, life coaches. They sit on these social media platforms and they're like, "I fucking I do, you know, I get up at two o'clock in the morning every morning and I have my protein shake and I do breathwork and I do that." No, you fucking don't. It's unrealistic, and you're making people feel small, so they'll come to you and buy from you. Where my strategy is the opposite. I'd be real. I'm like, do you know what? I'm full of anxiety today. I had an anxiety attack last night. I have a hard week. I'm depressed. Uh, you know, me and Kirsty have had this big fight, and you know, and we we talk about real shit because we are real people. And then people actually come to me and go, I resonate with your story so much. Well, it's very refreshing, mate, because so many people out there. They put on this image and they feel they have to be a certain way. And That's what I said. I felt of, like I had to be yeah, somebody. You have to live up to a particular standard that is set by whoever. That's and right. It, and it, it is fake. And as you said, people say, wake up before I am. Have it like, where are you going to get this magical time? If you committed yourself to personal development, yeah. it would be a full-time job. There are not enough hours in the day to do everything that is possibly good for you. And some days you can't be fucked. That's and right. And that's okay. And um, I think your approach is very refreshing and I think a lot of people resonate with it. That's exactly right. And, I, and, I, and when I work with people and I give them homework and I, and I tell them, like, look, this is what you need to do, my, what, you know, my thing isn't like, all right, you need to get up 2 o'clock every morning, you need to work out for three hours, you need to do breath work at least two hours a day. You know, they're not going to do it. And they're not only not going to do it, but they're going to try and they're going to fail and they're going to feel failure and they're going to completely kick it out the you fucking know window. worse? A lot of coaches out there actually set people up to fail. So mm. even if they do do it, they'll only do it for a short period of time and then they'll rebel and fall off the wagon anyway. Or if they don't do it, the coach says, you didn't follow the program and that's why you didn't get the results. They no. don't realise that the person is a human that's with right. other responsibilities and priorities and it's just they're set up to fail. It pisses me off. That's right. And I, I actually – um. I constantly share my story. I'm like, do you know what? I'm having a bad day today. And and my community have reached out to me as well. And 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 some one one woman said to me one day, she goes, Please, Bo, I know you're helping a lot of people and I know you struggle yourself because you always talk about it, but please don't be afraid to reach out to your own community. And a part of me had a lot of ego around that. Like, I can't reach out back to them. I'm supposed to be their saviour and their king, but that's not how this shit works. It's like having a boss, you know, my old workplace, my boss, he would, he would, he was a millionaire, multi-millionaire. He didn't have to be out on site. He'd be in the, in the trenches with the shovel, with the fucking TAs. Yeah, that's a leader. That's a fucking leader, bro. And I'm like, do you know what? Good shit. And I have reached out back to my community when I'm, when I'm fucking doing it hard. And I, and that's what you're showing people that you're human and they're human too, because this, this woman come to me, millions of followers on Instagram and I did some work with her and, um, you know, lots of eyes and she's like a fitness model and every day in a video she's, hey, how are you? And, you know, do this and blah, blah, blah. And she came to me and her hair was falling out from anxiety and stress and I'm like, you're putting so much pressure on yourself to be perfect and this person and when you live an unauthentic fake life, it's so fucking stressful on yourself and your body and, you know, and that's what was kind of happening to me. I was trying to be this perfect human. And um, anyway, I said, you know what you should do? 
you know, she, 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 she was killing it with socials. She had lots of people looking up to her, you know, fuck. And all these people looking at her, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be like that. And they don't actually believe in themselves enough, which obviously believe label, believe in your breath. We're all about believing yourself and manifesting yourself and backing yourself. But people look at that and they're like, it's unrealistic. And, you know, there's days where she lays in bed all day. I guarantee it. Mm. Not feeling like getting out of bed. But on social media, she's up every morning in the gym at 4 a.m., yeah. eating clean every day. It's fake. It's not real. I said, you need to jump on social media, cry your fucking eyes out and show the world that you're human. Not only will more clients come to you, but you will let people, your followers know that they're human and you'll make them feel good about their downtime. Yeah. It's like you see a celebrity and they're, they're, they're fucking going through a real hard time. You're like, oh, they're human too or a comedian or whatever, you know. It's interesting because there is that fear of judgment because when you mention people like celebrities, there are many people in the community that fucking celebrate when someone does fall off the bandwagon or something. No, of course. Everyone's the waiting. There's, there's, there's a, a lot of people the, waiting. The crickets that chirp, but when you go near them, they all go quiet. So there's yeah. plenty of them out there yeah. that – People, we are human beings and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes we have bad days. Some days that's we right. can't be bothered. Sometimes we have pity parties and that's okay. It's a part of, of course the it's okay. Exactly. And it's a, it's a funny thing that even when you have all the strategies like yourself, you're implementing them, you're helping people, you're imparting knowledge, mm. you're, you're booming with your business and your career and your personal development. And despite having all these tools, you still have dark days. And it's, it's part of the process. It's part of the human experience. It's part of the deal. And I go through them as well. And I think people need to be upfront about that. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what we're about. And it's just about showing people that we're all human beings and we're all, we all get – and we're not talking – because I'm a big advocate for ADHD and um, I know a lot of people have their different views on it, but um, I'm really putting ADHD, anxiety, depression and PTSD all into the same category. It's just symptoms. Because, you know, someone will come to me and they're like, They'll give me all these symptoms and they're like, you know, and I've got anxiety disorder or I've got manic depression or whatever. I'm like, no, you don't. You have an irregulated nervous system. Therefore, it's giving you all these symptoms, which is a doctor's term. You know, ADHD and PTSD, if you look at both of them, they're very similar, very fucking similar in the symptoms. Coping mechanisms, trauma responses, tuning out. Not being able to sit still, constantly anxious, overthinking. Scanning for threats. Scanning for threats constantly because you're not feeling safe in your body. It's exactly the same thing. And I'm not saying ADHD isn't real. Obviously, PTSD is real. And trauma is everything, as we spoke about before. You know, people, it's not just sexual abuse or rape or a serious car accident that can cause trauma. Um, but you know, what I do try to implement into people is like, just be careful how you label yourself, because if you label yourself, I'm depressed, what are you going to be? Yeah. You're not going to leave that right because you believe like, well, I have a disease. But if you, if you tell yourself, well, I'm just suffering with depression at the moment. Most people that come to me, I got anxiety. We all got anxiety. It's a normal fight or flight response. All animals have it. We have it. But someone will come to me with this and I'll say, you know, I choose to not work with people at the moment that are really close to the edge, people that are suicidal, people that are really, really dark, really, really unstable and things like that. But I'm not trained to deal with those sorts of things anyway, and that's why I changed into an impact leader. I want to work with people who are ready to level up in their business, level up in their life, their relationship, and change their life, and they've already done a bit of work and they need that extra push because they're feeling stuck. But when these people come to me, I'm like, all right, go away for two weeks. Add this breathwork technique into your routine every day. Change your diet. Get more sunlight. Put yourself in a nature more. Get off technology. Stop surrounding, like cut off all your toxic negative people. Get off alcohol. Get off drugs. 
exercise at least this amount of time a day. If you do that for two weeks and I know you're serious about working on yourself, within three days they ring me. I'm actually fucking, I'm actually the best I've ever been. Yeah. And I've worked with a lot of people with similar interventions and stacking the odds in your favour with these small little achievable things that are mostly free but and people are aware of most of them but they just don't pull the trigger on actually doing them. Because I don't every, believe. Yeah, well, that's it. They've, they've, they're drummed factor. in that you have this ADHD, that you have this PTSD, that you have anxiety, you have depression. You don't have it. You've got symptoms because of your lifestyle shit. Yeah. Your job's shit. Your relationship's toxic. Your, your parents didn't show you enough love. You, 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 you weren't regulated as a kid. You were yelled at. You were hit. You've fucking been treated like shit. So now you're fucking, you know. And I work with people to a point where they're thanking their abusers and thanking their trauma, trauma to create the person they are today. And that, that's really hard for people listening. There's some people listening right now going, that's, that's fucking shit why the fuck would i thank the guy that raped me why the fuck would i thank that bitch for fucking cheating on me with my best mate do you know why because when you accept what's happened to you and i understand that life happens for you and not to you and you get to a point in your life where you realize your self-worth and and love yourself so much that that these people can't hurt you and it was like me accepting so much accountability and responsibility for my life but not not everyone's ready for the forgiveness the awareness is the first one and then we move – I try and get people to move into like forgiveness and you forgive yourself first for all the shit and the blame and not feeling – not doing things enough for yourself and feeling a certain way. And then forgiveness to someone who's hurt you or things that haven't gone right for you isn't me going up and saying, hey, Rowan, like I forgive you, man, for, for fucking me around the other day or, you know, something – whether it's little or something massive to you – but um, it's more about letting it go within yourself. Yeah. There's this video on YouTube and, and for the people listening that are still angry about me saying this because there is a lot of people who come on my social media and I talk a lot about forgiveness and I'm like, I'll never forgive the men that hurt me in my life because unfortunately a lot of women's trauma stem from men. Yeah. And I said, I understand you're like angry and I said, but holding on to that anger and resentment, you're drinking your own poison, you're, you're stopping yourself so, so much opportunity. There was a movie, there was two brothers, their dad got killed, a copper, by like this dude and he went to jail for 10, he only got 10 years. And in the 10 years, the, kid, the, the, the kids were young, they were in their teens and one of, the kid, one of the kids accepted the dad's death and like dealt with the grief correctly in the five stages that we do. And then, um, you know, he moved on with his life, he got married, he, he got a really good job and, and he, he was doing really well. The other brother... He held on to that resentment and the anger so much. He turned to drugs. He turned to alcohol. He was living on the street. He was fucking angry with the world. He hated everyone. And he he, he got to a point the guy was getting out of jail and he, he spent 10 years like hating on this guy so much. And when he got out of jail, he hunted him down and he killed him. And then he ended up just living his life in jail and his brother had this beautiful life. And it's, it's a prime example of um, – there's, there's this court case where there's this dude in America and he was a gangster and he killed this random like Arab kid, this Muslim kid, and he was like an innocent kid. They robbed him, they killed him. And this 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 um, African-American like gangster dude, big tall dude, strong looking man, he's sitting in the – no no he, he has no forgiveness in him at all. No, no, he does not give a fuck that he's killed someone. He's feeling good about it, you know. And the dad, this Muslim dad, Arabic dad, is sitting across from him in the room 
and he stands up and it's at the end of the court case and he goes, he says to the, to the guy that killed his son, he goes, I forgive you. And he goes, my son will forgive you too. My wife also forgives you. And I feel sorry for you now that you have to spend the rest of your life in jail because I know you have a daughter. This, this gangster guy just crumbles to the desk and just starts crying his fucking eyes out, man. And then the dad walks out of the podium, walks over to him, puts his hand out, and the, the gangster like looks up and puts his hand out and the security like let it happen. They have this big hug. And I'm like, that's 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 fucking powerful you know and 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 it's really emotional but you know you people deal with trauma differently like and 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 i'm i'm saying this right now there's so many people that are listening that are going fuck man someone killed my fucking kid you you think i'm gonna hug that motherfucker you know but it's an interesting point. It's I don't think I get it. everyone needs to go through forgiveness. Obviously, they don't have to letting go of that resentment. That yeah, you're holding on. It's like holding on to a hot coal in your hand. It's burning you. And I know that the person That's deserves it, but it's affecting you. Essentially, you want to let go of that. It's like having a heavy backpack. It gets heavy. You want to put right. it down eventually. But you're talking about choice and being at cause or effect. One mm. gives you power. One leaves you as the victim. Being a victim. Some people wear it as a, you know, it holds them back in life because they hold on to that identity and that story really shapes their decisions and where they go for the rest of their life. And it, it really doesn't play out very well. And I'm not telling them to take responsibility for That's what right. happened, but take responsibility for their choices on how they choose to live their life after, for taking responsibility for their healing, mm. for taking responsibility to achieve and be a success story and an inspirational story despite the sad things that have happened to them. That's Putting right. the power in their hands where they can continue moving forward. Now, with everything you've been saying, it's a very unique approach because most people that talk about breath work use it as a way to regulate and manage emotions. Mm. But the strategy that you're talking about is more about expression and emotional release. Letting go. How do they differ? Because trauma is stored in the body physically. You know, you get stress in the body and the muscles. The nervous system holds on to things. And I literally see people when we do breath work, all the tension comes forward. You'll see in my videos, their hands are clenched up, their mouth are all tight, their feet are like all, all tied up. And, um, and I ask them, what do you need to let go of? What are you holding on to? What have you been carrying around in that backpack or that hot coal for so long? And then they'll have a light bulb moment and they'll think about it and they'll burst in their tears and all their hands will free up. Yeah, Everything, like I said with Kirsty, let, let, let letting it go. And let me just say this, not everyone's ready to let it go. You know, you get someone who's, you know, had, had, had something happen to them last week and you say, let it go. No, that's not how we deal with it. It's um, sort of like, I like to explain trauma like a car crash, right? And everyone processes trauma differently, but if you're in a, like a mild car crash, right, you, you know, you smashed off the road and, and maybe the car rolled or, or, or something happened, but you're actually totally fine. So you get out and in a modern day world, we shake it off and we're like, all right, cool, Instagram pic, crash my car, ring insurance, whatever, go back to work the next day. We don't actually process the shock in the body. We push it down because we're embarrassed. People come over, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, physically I'm fine. Yeah, yep, yeah, sweet. Six months go by, they start getting in the car, the hands start to sweat, they start to shake, the heart rate goes up. All right, your fight or flight is starting to activate survival mode and your, your, your analytical ego brain is telling you how I've driven for a long time, uh, you know, what the fuck. And then you maybe go to a therapist or something and they say like, you know, um, you know your trauma stored in your body because your, your body's saying, hey, we did this before and it almost fucking killed us. And yeah. your, your, 
you know, and it's like being triggered when you've che- been cheated on so many times and then you meet someone who is loyal as fuck. You want to check their phone. You want to fucking, t- you don't want them to go out. You, you constantly feel sick when they leave the house because you, your body's telling you, hey, we've done this before. It hurts and it's not nice and we don't want it. The difference is with animals, an antelope could be like fucking running, right? And, and, and its whole family gets attacked by a lion and like you, you get mauled but you're still alive kills fucking your babies, your wife, whatever. Now, you get away as an antelope, you find a safe space, you shake. I've seen this in videos. You breathe. You're releasing everything that just happened to you. Almost instantly, they'll go back to mating, eating, and living a fucking normal life. Human beings don't do that. I can't recall what animal it was, but years ago when I did a program in EFT, this is going back about 15 years ago, and we are doing a bullying program in schools, but there was a video, I can't remember the animal, that... It was being chased, obviously, by people that were chasing the animal. And they shot it with a dart and it went down. And while it was sedated, it was going through the experiences of still running. And it actually survived the attack. And then when the anesthetic wore off, it got up and it carried on its way. It didn't carry on with the trauma. It let go of that experience. Whereas we, we don't. We move on to the next chaotic situation, the next stressor, and it becomes chronic stress. And as you said... I'd like you to elaborate on what your definition of trauma is because we've had people coming on talking about neglect. Many people out there, I believe, are suffering from trauma, but they just don't understand it in the sense that they go, oh, what happened to me wasn't that bad. I wasn't hit by my parents or whatever. They're not understanding that grief and things yeah. is trauma. So I, ha- I hate the word, to be honest, because it's it's such a strong word. Yeah. I think, I think experience is such a much better word because let me tell you about trauma, right? Trauma can be good things as well. So what I wanted to talk on today, which is I'm fucking glad you said this, what was one of the most traumatic things for me was growing so fast in my business because trauma is anything too much too fast for your brain and your body to process. So if I'm – starting a business with nine people in my kitchen and six months later I'm stepping in front of 150 people, that it happens so quickly too. Like I was in this hype and every event I was going to, I was having fucking panic attacks backstage, you know, and I'm like I'm up here talking about regulating nervous system and I'm backstage breathing and like fucking <laughs> I'm like I need a Valium or like whatever and, and I'm honest about this shit because this is this is what we do. We talk about real life shit and people look up to me and I'm like, oi, I'm no bigger or greater than you. We are all equal and I let everyone know that at my events. But, you know, to, to scale and grow so quickly over a sort of short amount of time, it, it was traumatic, man. It was. And, and, and like I was like fucking like, you know, I'm like, oh, we need – what are we doing? And my, my missus said to me, Kirsty, she goes, when this is over, you're going to crash and, and what's next? Because I was on this ride – and, and it was right, the Gold Coast event, it ended. And not only did it end, but then all these breath workers started calling me out at the oh. same exact time. Yep. And it was like, I walked out of that event and I actually said to Kirsty, for once in my life, I'm proud of myself. I've done something. You know, people calling me out, you know, oh, this guy, praise on the weak, praise on the vulnerable. That's exactly who I work with. They need the work. And I, I always say the same thing that have people say. A lot of people come on social media and say, this is all acting. And I'm like, okay, go through my social media. Like I have video testimonials of people that have, I've changed lives for. I've got people all around the world. I'm like, oh, you've, I have time to hire all these fucking people. They just don't understand it, man. And that's cool. 
but yeah, I walked out of this event and I felt super proud. And then boom, these Instagram things started coming through and it was nasty shit. Videos of me doing breath work with my baby. Like I was breathing. And cause I actually used to do breath work when my son was unsettled and his, his regulation, his nervous system would regulate with mine. Co-regulation. Co-regulation. That we often talk about with parents, with young children, yeah. even uh, people working in residential facilities. When you're working with people that have experienced trauma and you're in that helping, safe relationship, mm. they learn to regulate from modeling your behavior. So same with the baby to the chest. That's so right. yeah, it's a, I'm glad that you brought that um, if, you, if you're um, if you're in your mum's womb and she's gone through DV or stress or, or like a really hard time in her life, your your nervous system, would you will come out, you'll come out dysregulated. And my mate breeds dogs and he said 50% of – this is a little off topic, but 50% of um, behavior comes from genetics and 50% of their behavior comes from their environment. Mm. So, and I think humans are exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just going back on that, for me, the trauma was too much success too quickly. I didn't know what to do. And then it just ended. We did the last tour. I had nothing else planned. And then I, I, I fucking, bro, I broke. I, I had, I was like, I felt like I was this dude and I was doing all this shit and then there was just nothing and 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 I had to turn my social medias off because people were coming on they were saying things like fake and 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 fucking like you know you copied other breath workers work and I'm like man I've been to like a few breath work workshops and I took a little from everyone and I, if I'd copied anything from anyone I'm whatever I'll change it like I don't I don't give a fuck man I was just doing my I own thing I think we need to be clear here I'm also qualified in breath work and yeah. I know many people that are that are all doing similar things but the fact is these are no one's methods really like essentially breath work has been around there's so many different no one owns breath no one owns we all breathe from the moment that we are born until the moment that we die the fact that you are learning and absorbing from someone else and you're just marketing it better and maybe facilitating it better that's credit to you and you're helping but I, some of these people I really looked up to and i was like i was not envious but i was like really proud of them and i was still sending them people and being like these people are the goats and then for, for them to like call me out also made me realize that like you know where's your integrity if you you, were, you weren't fully trained and you haven't done this and haven't done that which breathwork's actually a gray area as well which i won't go into but you know, I do believe you should do training. If you're working with people's trauma and you're working with people, then then yeah. And, and like I said to you earlier on, if I went back to my very first session, you know, if you went back to your very first plumbing job, you, only experience is going to bring you better and more, and, and, you know, being around other people and learning and constantly being, I'm still learning, bro. I'm still fucking learning. I'm going to forever learn and, and I'm going to be right open. mindset because you do not figure it all out sitting on the couch. Yeah. You, you learn from experience and obviously, as you said, if you compare your workshops now to when you first ran that session. Oh, exactly. Pitching, you've learned over that period of time. That's right. I have this with fighters where many fighters come in and in the past we got fighters over ready. And I take this example even for myself whenever I've set up businesses, programs, campaigns, event management companies, fight shows, the works. Start when you have enough and you will always get better because it will never get perfect in your head. It only comes from moving through that process. Yeah. Same with fighters. Get in, get assessed, get feedback, come back, work on it. You're better the next fight. That's if right. you wait two years, you're going to be just as nervous, make just as many mistakes. Mm. So you just took action, man, and you're learning on your feet. Probably a very uh, interesting a, a trait that comes with people that – are neurodivergent and are action takers, outliers as I like to call them. So yeah, um, I like it. Yeah, and 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 and, a, and another thing for me was really disappointing was that you know you have all these, like, because you know like 
with our backgrounds, like, you know, we hang out with some colourful people and I, I was never really a drug user. I, I really just, like did a lot of alcohol and shit growing up, but I was never really into drugs. But, um, you know, a lot of my mates have gone down bad paths with drugs and sex and, you know, whatever the fuck we do. And, you know, people just seem to take this life so fucking seriously and like I was being called out for all different shit. A lot of it was actually not even true. Some of it was like, oh, this guy is, dude, does this and I'm like, where the fuck did you hear that? And I'm like, whatever. Like, And I was, I was just trying to push it aside but I was just like, my thing is this, all these breath workers and that that were calling me out, I still – I have no hate towards them. I wish them the best but I'm like, they caused me trauma and they're literally in their bios like we heal trauma. And I'm like, you created me trauma. And I, my thing is like, if your integrity was so deep into helping people with breath work, you would have looked at me and gone, look, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's grown too fast. He's, he's fucking doing whatever he's doing. We need to talk to him and say, hey, bro, you got a lot of eyes on you and we want you to help people correctly. Can we help? Because these people started doing um, breathwork training too. So they were training people, but they were bagging me out. So I'm like, well, if you gave a fuck about this work, they ended up blocking me. But I was, if you gave a fuck about the work and the people, you would have you would have come to me and, and said, hey, look, you know, even if, they, even if they were worried about money and time, they could have offered me, like, look, pay us this much. We'll, we'll fucking, we'll teach you how to do this correctly so you can help people correctly or whatever. Mm. And I listened to Joe Rogan podcast the other day and he said, any time – any time that a business bags out another business or a comedian bags up for another comedian, it's purely jealousy. Mm. It's nothing else. That's all it comes from. If you have time to put energy into talking about other people, you're not doing well yourself. And I always say psychological projection. If a girl calls another girl fat, she clearly is feeling insecure. There's no one, there's no one in the world that feels pretty inside and out and, and goes around calling out other women for the way they look. Man, you're going to have haters no matter what you do. Even if you do nothing, you're still going to have <laughs> people that don't like what you do. Exactly. It's just part of life. But as long as you're happy with what you're doing, you've got your integrity, I, I just, you're I, living by your values, then it's a good thing to do. I just feel like people didn't understand me mm. and that's all it was. It was they were looking from the outside instead of actually knowing who I am. Do they take the time to know who you are? No, of course not. Um and it's funny because a lot of these people always bang on about all oh, the haters, the haters. I, I I hate the word. I don't even talk about it. I'm like, I don't I don't believe in a hater. I just believe people are uneducated and have their own opinions because of their value systems and their education and 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 the you know what their their environments. I guarantee you could go donate to someone in the public that was poor with a hot, hot meal, and someone would still find a problem with it. Because they'll, they'll say they'll say, hey, you filmed it for clout. Yeah. There's always it doesn't matter. You what filmed you it do. for clout. So, so what? He's growing a YouTube channel. If he wants to fucking give to the poor, there's cunts out there fucking smashing windows and filming it and putting it on social media. To get and then, you know, and people are laughing at it. But this guy's giving something to the poor, doing a good thing, filming it, probably for clout. And then, and then people are still trying to find a negative in it. And that's like my videos. So a lot of people have said, I'm, 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 you know exploiting people in their vulnerability of them screaming, crying, releasing, and then using it for clout and using it to build a business. But these people give me permission. Also, they want to be on there. I've, I've also had one person tell me once that I've created the Jerry Springer show and everyone wants to be on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? And why, why does that even matter? Jerry, yeah, Jerry, Jerry. Yeah, I was just like, I was just like, well, it's crazy because like, 
I've done shit things for money in my time, bad things for money, hanging around bad people. And now I'm doing good things for money and people still want to find something to kind of go. And I'm, I'm, I'm generally helping people. I'm changing lives and I'm like saving lives. And I just want to point out, yeah, man. everyone that's attending your events mm. know what they're in for. They yeah. come usually through social media, which that's you're right. very good at, which means they have an expectation of what to experience. Mm. They're probably going in there with belief and an intention. They're signing up for this experience because that is what you are. What it seems like you are offering it is an experience. Yeah, and they're going to walk away. It's going to have an impact on their life. It's that's not right. like the usual monotone facilitation that people are just used to. That it's not going to do anything. That's so they right. Fully know what they're walking into. And I talk on this because um, business is hard and criticism's hard, and a lot of us live in a fear of judgment, and a lot of us are insecure. And you know, like Kirsty said to me one time. Only focus on the good. If 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 you get ten thousand comments, go through and like and all the ones that say we love your work, oh you're funny, oh you're amazing. Reply to all them and don't give the energy into the, any of the negative stuff and don't take it on. Don't even like. Don't even reply. And there's been a lot of people who have written shit. I'm like, I could really squash that. And I'm like, nah. Deep breath. Move forward. Next comment. I love you, what you're doing and helping people. Thank you so much. Like putting your energy in. But what I've realized with all this fear of judgment and insecurities is um, that's what I used to do. I just used to put everything into the good comments. And working, doing a lot of work on myself, I've realized that living center is actually where you should be. So living center to me means, all right, we're not, we're not taking on all the negative, but we're also not focusing on the good stuff either because if you walk into the office – and 10 guys say, hey, Julie, you're looking really great today. Love your dress. You know, you're looking nice. She's like, oh, f- thank you. Thank you. And she feels good, right? So she's, these comments are becoming validation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one person said, oh, you look ugly today. So she goes, okay, um, whatever. I've had nine good comments. I'm going co- to focus on those. But the next day she gets one negative comment and no good. Yeah. I don't care what you say. If you're using the good comments to make you feel good about yourself, when there is none, you got no validation. So by living center, you don't give a fuck about the good or the bad. You just know what you're doing. And and it's kind of like letting go. And by letting go, I mean like if, if I was to sit across from the table right now and say, hey, I love your blonde hair, your long blonde hair, what we, uh, you know, and, and, and you'd sit there and go, I don't have blonde hair. And then if I was to say like, fuck, I hate your green shirt. It's the worst green shirt I've ever seen. And you look down and you go, what? Fuck, bro. I'm not wearing a green shirt. What are you talking about? It's the same thing. Someone comes to you and goes, oh, you're not worthy. You're fucking not worthy of breath work. You're not worthy of this business. You're, you're fucking ugly. You're fat. What are, you, what are you talking about? I'm worthy. I'm not fat. I love my body. But that's it's, internal. It's internal. Most people are looking for external validation. Exactly and right. And bias. when you're seeking external, you're going to get shit. Yeah. And you're going to get good too, but just, just Bo, don't take on either. We have reached 58 minutes. We only have an hour slot. Let's we go. We're going to do a breath work. We're not going to be able to do it this time, but you are back in June or July, aren't you? I am, yeah. Excellent. So we're going to have to have you back. We'll have a part two of this for sure. Part two, we will have you back. I've thoroughly enjoyed the chat. How can people find you? So um, we are traveling Australia at the moment. We've got a tour on. We are Believe in Your Breath on all socials. Um, And my my Insta, my personal stuff is Bo Drury. But um, we also have a clothing brand, Believe a Label as well, which is all about uplifting, encouraging people to believe in themselves to do what they need to do. 
Um, and yeah, fuck yeah, I can't wait to connect with more people. Yeah, we've got some big things coming. Let's do it. More to speak about. Lots of words have popped up. Love your Mm. passion, love connecting with you, and happy to have you back again. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So, Check out Radio Karam. Tune in. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker.